creating better businesses with Discovery Business Insurance. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy Business Show brought to you by Discovery Business Insurance. I'm sitting with Nolo Masite, who is responsible for one of the first black-owned private equity firms in South Africa. Nolo is sometimes called an agri-investor and a corporate farmer. In this episode, Nolo will be sharing the hallmarks of great startup ideas and what he looks for as an investor. Nola Masita, so good to have you in the studio. Thanks for having me. I um, I want to kick off uh, pretty much straight away and get right into the weeds and actually just talk about looking at your formative story and, and, and where you come from as an individual, what led you to being an investor? So Fred, I think for me, it was not actually a planned journey. Let's put it that way. So it was actually more, I took my time. Yeah, I started my formative years as, as a chartered accountant, moved into corporate finance and investments. And one of the biggest, you know, my biggest skills, which I actually learned over time was actually people. I actually enjoyed working with people and finding solutions. It's definitely your superpower. I mean, you're so good with just uh, <laughs> diffusing situations and relating to people and, and everybody just seems to gather around you. It's like a natural, natural skill. Yeah. So I think, that, you know, when I found that that was the strength, so actually then I enjoyed not making money, but actually having more of an impact in the things that I chose. So being an investor was actually more of a journey in find, ending up and actually taking decisions about where one wants to play and how do I want to play. So, so why, why agriculture then? Because that's obviously the, the, the niche that you really specialize in. And also, if we can, in that narrative <laughs> arc, touch upon what exactly is a corporate farmer as well? The famous word corporate farmer. So yeah. I've been in the agricultural and food space for most of my career. So I started off with the, the tobacco business and primarily within their farming businesses. So both in the UK and South Africa. And when I worked in Zim, when we restructured, we were actually working on a project, we were restructuring the, the outgrowing farmers uh, within the Zimbabwe market. That's when I actually started actually enjoying agriculture and understanding what farming looks like. So people like utilizing the word farming and agriculture like it's the same thing. So in the sector, we define them very separately. So farming is not agriculture and agriculture is not farming. So farming is a component of agriculture. So agriculture is the sector as a whole. So I love this sector because it's got people, but it's also one of our biggest impact sectors, if you think about it. It's sure. biggest job creators. Uh, it's utilizing the land that we have. It's quite diverse in its offering. Sure. And I think for us or for myself, and when I say us, it's also one of our visions in, in our fund within AHA, uh, African Green Alpha, is because we saw it as a sector that still has not been transformed. So that became almost a USP for me in that sector where I chose to want to be a catalyst for change within the sector. So that's, that's, why, that's why I chose agriculture and food is going to be around, the population grows. We all got to eat. We've got to eat. No, for sure. So the corporate farmer. So one of the things that I've always been accused that I'm not a farmer, which I always say that I'm not a farmer, <laughs> but I'm an active participant within the farming. You, you're far too clean cut and, and well-dressed <laughs> to be sitting Wait, in, in I'll the field. I'll send you pictures of when I'm actually having a farm visit tomorrow. Digging I'll send the you trenches. pictures. Exactly. So if we look at yeah, you then, you, you're, if you draw the Venn diagram, you sit in that sort of intersection of, of the, the corporate world and the farming world. In terms of a deal, if you as an investor are looking at a deal, what are the the trigger points? What are the, the red flags? What are the, the kind of real kind of highlights that you look for in a potential deal that you're looking at? So I think the most critical thing in any sustainable business is the market. What are you, what, what's your unique offering to the market? Is there a market for that product? 
So you can have the greatest idea, but if no one's consuming whatever it is that you're offering, there's actually technically there's no sustain, there's no business. Mm. So for us, or for myself, that's the first thing I look at. What is the market? And is it actually, or do you have to create a market? Because some people look at where you create a unique offering that actually creates a new segment within sure. sub-sectors, you understand? So for me, that's the first thing I always look at that. Is it something that cons- the consumer would be would move towards? Because when I talk about the consumer, because everyone consumes, regardless of whatever product it is that sure. you're offering. Trigger point or another good thing, management or the entrepreneur. So I think the biggest thing is the entrepreneur. So you're always backing the jockey. You know, there's a jockey that you're always backing. And sometimes the jockey might have failed one or two times, but you know, resilience is a very, very big thing in starting a business. I was telling a friend the other day who also just decided to go on their own. And I said, it took me potentially two to three years before I even started make, actually locking my first, you know, investor mm-hmm. in backing me. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I had someone that backed me, but after showing the value proposition of why, why I want to play and where I want to play and mm-hmm. why it made sense for them. Mm-hmm. So I think those, that's to the jockey resilience. And the trigger point as well is, you know, you, you, you don't know everything. We all don't know everything. We're always learning each day. So for me, when I look at a business and I see a business that is actually not plugged in, in whatever segment that they're playing in, then I'm worried because it shows me that you're actually not following the relevant market data and what's happening around you. So it's critical to always be very aware of the moving parts around you as, mm. as a business or even as an entrepreneur. Mm. So plug in, get a mentor if you're starting up, get a coach, you know, get understand the risks that other entrepreneurs have taken and have learned from. So it's a critical part of that as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I think, I, I mean, I, I, this resilience thing is particularly fascinating to me because it keeps coming up in the various interviews that we've had and over the two seasons of this podcast. It just seems to be that golden thread uh, that, you know, in terms of being an entrepreneur, you need to have the grit, the resilience, the stick to itness in order to survive the and, and, and navigate through the extraordinary challenges that... Um, you know, that, that, are, that you're in, undoubtedly going to face. I mean, if, if you look at that, where does that leave the startup entrepreneur? <laughs> because the reality is, f- fair enough, you know, you failed a few times and maybe you've succeeded and you've made some cash yeah. and whatnot. But then you're, you know, you're looking at somebody in their mid-30s to mid-40s. What about the youngsters coming through the mix? And, and you know, how would you be able to identify those traits in, in somebody who's maybe not so experienced? The hunger. Okay, so the fire in the, the eye. Fire in the eye. You can't, you can't buy that and you can't teach it. So the person must have the hunger for whatever it is that they were trying to pursue. And how do you identify it then Ooh, as an investor? You know what? It's actually, there's no skill in identifying it. You actually feel, for me, it's more people. So okay. as I engage with you, I can see that you actually, you've got very good vision and direction where you want to go. Gotcha. It might not be very clear at the start. But you actually do have the hunger, you, have, you actually want this. And I think it's easier when you're younger to actually take the risks. So let's think about this, where you take a 35-year-old who's been sitting in corporate, the first thing that you're going to ask them if they want to go and start a business. Mm. They've got two kids, they've got a bond, they've got all these you know, obligations each month. And it's like, oh, actually, it's not even actually worth it. Mm. So you'd rather stick it out. Versus when you're 22, 20 and you've got a great idea, you're still living with mom and dad, or you actually just, you know, you, you've got people around you. Mom and dad has a garage. It's a garage, you know, you start the garage, <laughs> you know, yeah. first idea, and it's yeah. easier, it becomes easier. So even when I started my business, I was like, when I left, or actually I was talking about this yesterday, my first business, I think I was 20, 21. Wow. And 
I decided that I didn't want to do, so I first did my like corporate finance and business science uh, degree, and then I decided I wanted to become a chartered accountant afterwards. So my mom sat me down and said, I'm not paying for the next degree, so you need to figure it out. <laughs> and I recall that Hardcore I had a friend, mom. exactly. And I recall I had a friend whose parents were in the hygiene space and they used to sell like cleaning detergents and toilet papers. And there was a certain market which they didn't see, which was a township school market. Okay. And I come from a very a family with a lot of educators. So two of my aunts are principals in two of the biggest schools, one in Alexandra and the other one is in Soweto. So I started asking them for, actually, where do you procure toilet paper and, and hygiene stuff? And they say, actually, we buy that from Macro and blah, blah, pay, pick and pay. Nuts, and yeah. I was like, okay, so I'm going to start a business and supplying township schools with that. So literally, I used to take my mom's old car, drive around, and that's how I paid for my second degree. That is amazing. So for me, that was one of the lessons where if you push to it, being too comfortable is another problem. Yeah. The term that, as you know, we use for that is you're, you're a heavy chef. You, you definitely <laughs> do eat your own food and you, 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 have you to. dig the trenches you and you to. roll up your sleeves and get stuck in. And I think that's probably one of the traits that you look for, right? Correct. Is this person really that dedicated enough to get stuck into the trenches and really kind of be able to, to invest themselves physically, emotionally, personally within this business? You're your, you're your best investment, to put it that way. So, and I think most times entrepreneurs or startups all rush for capital. There's lots of investments that you actually can get when you're starting up. So utilizing networks and people around you and actually taking you to the next level so that the time you go and raising money to actually conceptualize whatever it is that you're doing, mm. you're actually, there's a technical component that you have actually had breached by then. What's interesting though, is that, I mean, w w what you have really been focusing on in the conversation so far has been more on this sort of subjective side of things, the, the emotional traits, the people traits, that, uh, that seems to be a priority for you, right? Definitely. So when you're operating in agriculture, think about it and in my space. Sure. So most of the businesses that we involved in are very, very big, almost employers. So your average farm, big mega farm would have like between 500 and 1,000 people. So at most times your biggest skill is the human capital. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Uh, and okay, so so now let's maybe segue into the, the more analytical side. I mean, in terms of, you know, how, so I'm guessing that you spend quite a bit of time with the entrepreneur and um, getting to know them, understand how much they understand and, and you know, try to see what they see in terms of the market opportunity and so on and so forth. But then when you get to the, and you feel that this is a good opportunity instinctively and from an emotional perspective, mm. this makes sense, then the numbers, I mean, what kind of, triggers there do you look for? The numbers never lie. Yeah, and, and, and what are you scared of? What, what sort of makes you worry when you see a, yeah. a forecast or mm. some kind of a pitch yeah, we, document? You know, it's interesting. So we, you've got different types of, let's say, investments that you want you to look at. So you know there's different tiers, whether you're playing in the VC space or seed capital space, sure. or established businesses or growth businesses. So I'm- Just for context, yeah, yeah. where do you sit? So I'm, I'm a growth, we like growth businesses. Okay. So a big focus is there, but more times you find that we're playing indirectly in the VC space as well. Okay. It's not by choice. It's because we're just seeing a lot of opportunities within that space. Okay. Well, that's and encouraging, it is, right? It is. That's definitely. Amazing. Because, but if you think about it from a South African point of view, you've got enough capital floating between your private equity and growth or your mid-market uh, mid uh, segment. But actually, we, we don't have a mature venture capital market in South Africa. 
where I think that's where a lot of, you know, there's an opportunity for a lot of investors or people who've got capital want to deploy it, but mm. obviously managers, we don't have enough managers managing that space. Mm. And the other risk around that is cause it's heavy lifting. Yeah. You know, when you're investing in a startup, you have to, you're almost in, you're you got to roll your business. sleeves up. Yeah. You're in the business versus when you're playing in an established business, you are more slightly elevated we talk about the numbers and assessing the opportunity. You've got track record. You can validate. It's a little bit more formulate. Formulate, exactly. Yeah. So you can look at the management assumptions and how they've been performing in prior years. So for us, it's also risk appetite of where you want to play. Sure. And hence, while we more, more play in the growth, we say you want some capital, you want empowerment. That's a big value proposition for ourselves. Bringing in BEE in a lot of businesses that we're operating in and then looking at various ways of actually growing the business from there. And in terms of some of the red flags, can you mention some of the things that you've seen before that suddenly, you know, you've, you've had a great <laughs> feeling from the people and the market is there and whatnot, but now suddenly you look at the books, look at the numbers, and as you say, they don't lie. What are the things that that really stand out? So the biggest risk that you always find when you're, about to in, when you're investing in a business is manage, management's assumptions around it, around the growth and mm. the data behind that. So when you think about the big red flags is reputation of the entrepreneur or, the, or management, let's put it that way. Always cross-reference the people who, whom you want to actually work with from wow. that point of view. Okay. So we find that it's easy for you to, run, to walk away from a deal by just making a couple of calls Who's, who's who in the zoo? What was what your experience of this people? Mm. Da, 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 da. That gives you an, a very good view first, even if sure. you get to the numbers. And the numbers are, there's no blanket rule. You know, there's some, you know, it's you, you, you apply yourself, you look at the numbers, you follow the data, where the assumptions come from, mm. if, and depends also what your investment appetite is. Sure. So different investors have different IRR or uh, return criteria. Yeah. For me, it might be that I want to make three to four times money from what I've invested, or I'm actually patient and I just want to yield dividends out of the business. So okay. different investors have different criteria of how they'll assess that. So there's actually no standard uh, checklist that one would look at that. If So you look at a startup, no cash flow. So what? how do you actually going to ensure cash flows? Yeah. You have to open markets for that startup. You need to look at how you're going to penetrate. It's a very different proposition and a skill set from your perspective. Exactly. Right? So it is. I think, I think there's, there's a lot of good investors who play in that space mm. and they enjoy it. And mm. I'm not, I, I'm, I like in playing that space, but I find it very, very heavy mm. because then you end up, you know, spreading yourself too thin. Well, there's a lot of hitting the bricks, right? You've exactly. really got to kind of get stuck in and, um, and get involved personally. And as you say, become part of the, the business, business, the business right? yeah. For sure. And it's a very different mindset for like someone like myself who comes from a very big corporate. Yeah. And then you have to suddenly not elevate and actually just bring yourself into a mom and pop shop where literally <laughs> that's, that's what you find yeah, yeah. In, 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 in the space as a whole. But I don't think it's only just in agriculture across, across industries. Yeah. Your family run businesses where you suddenly have to be in the detail in order to help them expand and grow in whatever it is that they want to be doing. Is it fun? I love it. I can see. I love it. So, <laughs> There's a twinkle in your eye immediately where it's kind of like, this is what I'm born to do, right? And you know, I was. What I was, do you, you enjoy know, about it the most? I mean, I enjoy literally learning something new almost every day. Let's put it that way. I think for me, that's the most critical thing. Sure. And I, I'm a, I'm a deal junkie. That's my, that's my other weakness as well. So it's it's a strength, but also weakness because I end up being scattered everywhere. So yeah. then it's about. As, as I'm growing old, I'm trying to learn focus and zen myself <laughs> in. So even for someone like myself, I also have to reinforce focus. And it's a very, very critical skill 
especially even as an entrepreneur. Sure. So there needs to be a real resilience about you as an investor as well, right? Exactly. Exactly. So because I've sat on the other side, you can you actually start. So when you ask about the criteria and what investors look for, mm. so when you sat as an entrepreneur, but you also then now sitting on the other side, you act this. You can almost cross pollinate yourself in mm. learning and what people look for sure. when you're actually pitching for an idea. It takes time. Like you really do need the patience and the 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 resilience as an investor as much as an entrepreneur to be able to build up that those networks, build up the connections, build up the capital, and build up the the history of success mm. and failure that you as an investor need. Right. Correct. So part of it is discipline, even as well as an investor, to not rush into everything. Let's put it that way. So you need to be patient, but sometimes being too patient is a worry. So it's like, get score on the board. And success, yes, you can demonstrate that you've done it and you've done it well. And then reputation is, it's almost a concomitant of that good effort afterwards, I would assume. Mm. In terms of South Africa, then just looking at, you know, as a region and, and where we operate, what can we offer the world that's unique and where potentially there's an area to leapfrog? But I mean, what are the things that really excite you about South Africa? I think South Africa from within the continent still presents itself with a very unique proposition when it comes to being a foot, let's say, a anchor into the continent. We've got the structural infrastructure, which is there for any businesses or any, you know, to launching proper uh, opportunities into the continent. And I think we've been very, very slow in actually maximizing on that opportunity. Yeah. You know, I've traveled and I've worked in I've worked in different countries in, in the continent, in our continent here. And we don't have a lot of what we have here. And I think we need to actually start maximizing on that and focusing on that. Yeah, it feels like yeah. we're almost getting our house in order, right? Yeah. And it's taken us a while and, and we're figuring it out, yes. but it's like a coiled spring. But so while we're figuring it out, everyone else is doing something. Sure. You look at Rwanda, you look at East Africa, the yeah. boom. Even Ethiopia, Ethiopia, come on. Now look at the double digit growth that you're seeing there. Mm. So I was in Rwanda like late last year and I was amazed. It's amazing, right? It's amazing what, yeah. they've, what they've managed to do in that country at the moment. Yeah. And then I had a friend from Nigeria over the, over the holidays and she was here and she said, she's also an entrepreneur in Nigeria. She's like, you guys have, you have it all. We don't understand why you guys are not doing it. Yeah. It's like for them, there's yeah. no electricity at most yeah. times. Getting, starting a business or even registering a business will take like three, four months. So there are basic fundamentals. I think we need to go and focus back. And I think there's an element of potentially doing an African Silicon Valley. Mm. You know, Cape Town is a good hub. Everyone's sure. just talking about it. We've tried. We've tried. But I think there needs to be more of a conceited effort between a PPP in a way. Yeah. Get government on board. Sure. Get the public-private partnership exactly. is really not in place to that seamless degree exactly. that you see in like Tel Aviv correct, or Berlin correct. or Stockholm or, or Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. So for me, I think that's that's what I think we need to focus on. We get focus on supporting SMMEs. Mm. I think there's a lot of talk about it, but structurally we're not actually doing it. Also the information gap between what startups are fed versus actually what the market thinks is feeding back into the startups of the SMEs. Mm. And there's a lot of support, but people don't know where to get that support. So I think there's also about how do you actually streamline that process between actually enabling them and incubating them in a way sure. that helps you out. So, Nolo, from your perspective, you know, being a young, dashing, strapping oh. investor, <laughs> he, um, he's, he's really starting to fly. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, congratulations on the growth and, and all the, the uh, success that you have been achieving. But I wanted to get an idea of, of who do you admire? Who are the people that you look at within the investment circles, perhaps locally, but also internationally, that you really, you know, you want to emulate? I think I've got enough 
mentors and coaches. One of my biggest privileges is where I've been exposed to great people that started great businesses. And, and it's one of the things which I think we, there's a friend who's also planning to start almost a little network where young, you know, aspiring uh, investors or entrepreneurs can come and feed into that network. So mm. for me, I think probably one of the people I do look up to is potentially also business partners put it that way. So Cora Fernandez. Yeah. Cora is sure. well known in the market. She's probably the, the, the lady in PE, in private equity. That's what she's called. So when you talk about someone who's got due, uh, diligence and technical know-how, specialist in their sector. So Cora, like Cora. Madam Chair. Madam Chair, as we call her. Yes. <laughs> she's amazing. She is. And then I think uh, from... An investor point of view in building, uh, building as, uh, let's say, businesses, I'm going to be controversial. Uh, Dangote is someone I admire in, you okay. know, in a way, but not, uh, there's certain <laughs> softer sites, which I think you could do better. Yeah, But, you know, when you talk about, a, 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 you know, an African story, Selling cement. You selling gotta, cement and everything else. The food he practically owns. you got to be a bit hardcore, right? hardcore in a way. Yeah. So, you know, you realize, and when, he, when he's determined, he does it. Mm. I'm going to do this. He does it. He executes. And, I think I like, and he executes. What he says, yeah. Execution is another thing which we forgot to talk about. Mm. So there's, it's good enough to have great ideas, but not executing is the biggest failure for a lot of entrepreneurs sure. around that. And then just lastly, Nolo, what, what practical advice can you share with us that, that you feel potentially that you've brought on board for yourself and that you could share with entrepreneurs out there listening to this podcast? So I think there is no one set formula or one or one golden rule. I think it's a combination of bringing different disciplines into one. We talked about resilience. You know, keep your eye on the prize all the time, each day. Be very, very clear around what you want to achieve. Focus. Mm, that clarity, clarity is huge, yeah. And ask questions, you know. Ask questions. For me, the big, that's, you know, when I don't know something, I'm a, it's easy for me to actually ask the people in the room or people outside the room and there's nothing wrong in not knowing, you know, mm. that's the biggest thing as well. And just have fun, choose something that you like. You know, there's no point in chase, chasing money. Money comes with good effort, mm. you know, you, I've learned that I as well. I couldn't agree more, you know? yeah. So that, for me, it's a combination of those together. Well, clarity, yeah. humility, and fun. I yeah, think that's exactly. an amazing mix and I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that sums up my personal philosophy <laughs> in life. So, Nolo, it's been amazing to sit with you. Such an honor, such a privilege, and uh, and also, again, so great to see how you, you're growing through this industry and making such an impact. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me, Fred. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Healthy Business Show. If you love this podcast, do let us know via social media, tag at discovery underscore essay. Use the hashtag DSY Healthy Business. And please do rate us on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your shows. You can also find more shows on the Discovery website at discovery.co.za forward slash corporate forward slash podcasts. Creating better businesses with Discovery Business Insurance. 